Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back. My guest today, Erin Carey, is, as she explains, your average wife, mother of three young boys, overworked, stressed and tired, who lives in suburbia in South Australia. Nothing special. And Erin describes herself like this. So when you listen to her story, you realize that you can do it too, that you can get out there and do whatever your dream may be. One of the biggest takeaways from this episode is the power of making the decision. Erin and her husband made the decision that they wanted to take their boys and sail around the world for a few years. They didn't know how they were going to make it happen, but they made the decision. Erin and I go quite deep on a number of topics. The confidence in finding other people that have already achieved what you're hoping to do. The importance of having a common goal. How ideas change and evolve over time. Learning new skills along the way. And how time allows you to discover more qualities about your kids and loved ones. Erin also talks about how she saved to make this adventure a reality. Because when she made the decision... Erin had eight grand of credit card debt and no savings. I know you will love some of the things that Erin did to save money, but what I really love about what Erin did is that she made changes to her daily life so her daily life could change. This is an episode that will inspire you to make the decision in your own life, to create change and dare to dream big. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Erin Carey. Hi, Erin. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. Ah, you're more than welcome. I can't wait to dive into our chat today. And whereabouts in this beautiful world do I find you? So I'm in Grenada, which is in the West Indies in the Caribbean. Wow, but you don't sound like you've got a West Indies accent there. No, no. I'm Australian. I'm from Adelaide. Actually, I originate from Wagga Wagga in New South Wales. I grew up there. And then I moved to Adelaide when I met my husband about 16, 17 years ago now. Wow. And, and I know that you and your husband and your three boys are about to embark on your beautiful journey where you're going to be sailing um, as a family. And I was going to kind of start by saying that you, you are at the beginning of this sailing adventure. However, as someone who has also packed up their family for a year adventure, I completely understand that the adventure starts a long time before you pack your bags. So could you take me back a little and, and how did this wonderful idea of sailing with your family around the world come to uh, come about? Right, well, I guess we could go back to when I was a kid. When I was a kid, my dad used to teach uh, learn to sail classes on, the, on Lake Albert in Wagga Wagga, which was just a tiny little brown mud lake in Wagga, and it was not glamorous at all. And um, to be honest, he used to drag me along. I think it was mum's way of having a break from us. She'd send one kid each week. <laughs> along with dad and you know what the cool kids would be out there on their speed boats and I'd be on the sailing boats and I would I'd get teased so they'd call me sailor girl and 
for some reason Sailor Girl was like the ultimate insult back then. <laughs> it's amazing when you're a child how things seem so mean. Mm. It's like, well, you know, look at me now. Call me Sailor Girl back then and now I'm on my yacht in the Caribbean. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I got dragged along with Dad as a kid and I wouldn't say that I particularly loved sailing back then. I wouldn't say I really even liked it. It was just something that I had to do. And um, on holidays, we'd go on maybe Blaring Dam or we'd go to the coast of New South Wales and sail around. And, yeah, it was always fun, but it, was, it wasn't it was really something that I thought, you know, I want to do this forever or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fast forward maybe oh, about 25 years, and I met, I'd met my husband and we'd, we'd lived a very normal life um, in the suburbs with three children and We'd been married and everything, and um, one night we were just walking, watching a documentary. It was actually completely random. We were overworked and stressed and tired, and I think we were both feeling a bit blah, and um, my husband was looking for Netflix, and I was like, I don't even care what you put on. <laughs> I'm just looking at my phone, whatever. And um, he, he found Laura Decker's documentary, Maiden Voyage. Mm-hmm. Um, he popped it on and I wasn't even watching and after about five minutes I kind of put my phone down I thought oh hold on this is actually quite interesting and I don't know how long it went for but I assume about an hour and a half an hour and a half later we just kind of both looked at each other with a twinkle in our eye and we're just thinking wow that actually looks amazing we were I don't know what happened and it's actually amazing that we both felt the same way but after that documentary we both had something had changed inside of us mm. and we thought wow we want to do that and you know what I can't even remember the documentary I could probably watch it all again now and it would be completely new to me but something in that documentary sparked something inside of us that made us think we want to travel by boat you know around the world and, and, and but like but like with that like you know you had that spark how did you I guess entertain that spark yeah, it's a good question. And people have said to me, you know, you're so lucky that you and your husband were on the same page. Mm-hmm. And we really are so lucky with that because I've heard plenty of people since then say to us, you know, I want to travel around Australia, but my husband doesn't, or I want to do this, but my husband doesn't, or vice versa. And, you know, it's pretty common to hear that the man wants to do the sailing and the wife's not interested. Mm-hmm. But somehow luckily we were both on the same page and then we started googling and it was just through googling that we realized that it actually wasn't that crazy an idea I mean it it still obviously was crazy Mm. but there were families out there doing the same thing so we thought well if other families can do it there's no real reason why we can't do it and did that kind of provide a bit of a uh, like a safety net in a way to kind of go well if other people have done this and survived, then, you know, we can as well. Oh, definitely. I mean, if if I be out of Googled and found out that there's no families out there doing it, we never would have been game enough to do it. But mm-hmm. if you just type in families sailing around the world, I mean, I don't know how many blogs come up, but mm-hmm. let's say that, you know, 100, say, there's plenty of people out there doing the exact same thing as us right now. And if you start reading their blogs, you realise, you know, they're no different to us essentially I mean yes some might have had more experience some might have had less but essentially they're you know they're young Mm. they've got young 
like us and we just thought okay well you know we're not leaving tomorrow we can learn all these skills between now and when we leave so and that's that's a real that's a really big point because often when we look at these big changes that we want to make in our life we look at maybe the end goal and we go oh, hold on i don't have the skills to do that but we forget that we're going to learn those skills along the way exactly we've learned so much honestly it's been the biggest learning curve and our learning curve has really only just begun. Mm. We um, we have to we haven't even left the dock yet, which in a way makes me kind of embarrassed because I don't feel worthy of this interview to start with. Because I mean, I know what we've achieved so far is amazing, even to get this far, but we haven't even got in the water yet. And then once we get in the water. It's just another huge, huge learning curve on top of that. Mm. So, But I, I think that, like, you know, you talk about not being worthy of this interview. Well, I think you definitely are because the, <laughs> the hardest thing is, and I'm sure we'll unpack some of these things throughout the interview, but the hardest thing is to make that decision yeah. to start doing things. That you've yeah. already packed up your family and you're in the West Indies and you bought yeah. this boat that you had never yeah. seen before you had bought it because I know a little <laughs> bit about your story and that yeah, you're there yeah. fixing it up before you put it in the water. That's yeah. huge. That's a, that's yeah, a huge I guess, I guess it is. Mm. I think because we've had, you know, two and a bit years to get used to it. I mean, at the start of the process – we were even too embarrassed to tell our friends what we wanted to do. I remember it was Christmas 2015. So we came up with the idea at the start of December and then mid-December we had a family lunch at my house and we said to our parents and my sisters, um, so <laughs> guess what, we're going to buy a boat on the other side of the world and go sailing. And everyone just laughed. They laughed at us and said, Honestly, my sister said that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And we were crushed. <laughs> we were like, okay, well, you know, we do realise that it's pretty out there, but we didn't expect that response. And mm. so then after that, we were a little bit, um, I guess, sheepish in telling people. So we didn't tell people for a little while. And then we started telling, you know, a friend here and a friend there. And they were really supportive. And but I think at the start it was really quite um, intimidating to say it out loud. Mm -hmm. um, and I think after we told a few people and we got more used to the idea and we kind of owned it, we're like, you know, we're doing this. And I think people kind of seemed to start going, oh, okay, well, they seem for real. And I had a few mm -hmm. people say to us, if anyone can do it, it's you guys. And that was, you know, obviously a huge compliment. And like, um, so, like, was there a moment with that that you realised that this, you know what, this crazy idea, this dream, like it's actually going to happen? Like, was there a moment when you, you know, you, you started kind of walking down that path of this idea? Was there a moment where you were like, hey, we're kind of, we're past that point of no return. This is, this is all happening. Yeah, that's a good question. I think... After about, I don't know, maybe a year of saving and researching, we started getting coaching from a family that had been sailing around the world for, I think, eight years. And um, by that stage, we might have saved up maybe 30000 or something. And I think by that stage, we're like, we've saved this much money. We're not going to not do this now. And then once we started getting coaching from these this family, 
they made it all seem so real, I guess, that, mm. you know, they're doing it and they had they had utter belief in us. So it was so nice to speak to like a like-minded family that they didn't doubt us at all. They were 100% on board because they'd been doing it for eight years, so they had no reason to question the fact that we couldn't do it. Mm. So, yeah, I think around that stage was probably the first stepping stone. Um after that, we'd put in, we put in actually three offers on three different boats. So I think by the time we got to that stage, it was feeling pretty real. But yeah, I can't yeah. remember any moment where we were like, yeah, you know, this is happening. No, well, definitely. Once you, once you buy a boat, it's pretty real, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, you mentioned earlier on in our chat about kind of being overworked and, and stressed and, and tired. Mm. Were they some of the, the catalysts for, wanting to kind of create some change in your life? Yeah, definitely. Um, so we've got three little boys. Hamish is eight, Jack is seven, and Christian's three. So I worked four days a week, sometimes five days a week. My husband worked full time. And, um, you know, as families, most families that work that amount, you don't see each other that much. Mm. Uh, would go to school, then they'd go to after school care. Uh, the youngest would go to childcare or my parents or Dave's parents. And, um, you know, we had a, a nice house and everything. So that took maintaining. And I found that one day of the weekend would be cleaning and food prepping and doing everything for the week. So we we kind of have one day a week. And we kept saying to each other, oh, this is just not right. And it, even on that one day a week, we'd have to go to birthday parties or sports or, you know, be constantly mm. rushing. And we just feel like this, you know, this isn't the right balance. By the time we get home at night, my husband was always tired. I was tired too. And he'd say, you know, my workmate's got the best part of me today. I was laughing and joking and everything at work today. And now I come home to you and I'm just exhausted. I just can't be bothered to crack jokes or have fun. And I, you know, I agreed. I was doing the same with my workmates only to come home and, you know what it's like. You do the school pick up and then homework and baths and beds and before you know it, the night's over and after you pack up after dinner, you sit down and it's like 8.39 at night. You're lucky to get one hour and then it's like you do it all over again, mm. Groundhog. And I think that's why when we saw this documentary, we're like, oh, wow, something, it just seems so calm and so serene and like a slower pace of life. I think that's what really kind of intrigued us. And um, after making that kind of decision, everything else seemed so heightened, I guess, again, um, over the next two years, uh, that just how rushed we were and how busy we were and how how busy everyone else was mm-hmm. as well. Like, ask anyone, how are you? Oh, I'm good, I'm busy. Yeah. It's like, what, do you wear busy as a like a badge of honour? I think sometimes we do, you know, and yeah. I think that's the thing. But but deep down, we all kind of strive for that that slowness. It's one of the things that, you know, Inga and I speak fondly of with our trip when we went away for a year is that yeah. just that togetherness. And as much as, hey, like we're super tight with our family and we have such amazing friends, but mm-hmm. you'll notice that when you're away, like you, you can't go to – family functions and birthday parties and blah, 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 all of those things that you, you'd love to go to. But then all of a sudden, when you're not there, you actually you get this time and you kind of really 
invest that in, you know, you'll find it like investing that time in with your boys and learning yeah. about their certain interests. Um, and, you, you know, with, with Andy, like she was our little girl, she was four at the time. And I learned stuff about her and I'm like, hey, she's been in, <laughs> I've been around her her whole life, but I'm still yeah. learning um, so much more with it because you, you just have that time. Yeah, it's beautiful. It is. I was just saying to my husband, I've said, Jack, a middle child, I said, Jack's got this laugh and this smile that I've never seen before. I don't know if it's because we didn't see this happy side of him at home because I was always like, get your shoes on, have your breakfast, quick, get in the car, we've got to go. Or I don't know whether it's a new quality of his, but he's just got this beautiful smile. And I said to my husband, I've never noticed that. Mm. It's awful to say, but... Yeah, and then that's so that's one little thing we've noticed. And as much as, of course, we love our family and all our friends, going to birthday parties and, you know, whatever else we go to every weekend or the one day of the week that we have, we'd get there and my husband would go and talk to his mates and I'd go and talk to my friends and we wouldn't actually even spend any quality time together. So it's it's a hard one because the you know you feel obligated to go to these events as much as you love going to them it really does eat into your family time yeah it really does and uh, i guess changing tack here a little bit like what was one of the biggest fears that was holding you back when you were making the decision like you said there that you kind of wanted to change because you were overworked and all of this but once you would had kind of gone down the path a little bit what was some of the some of those fears that were still holding you back from being 100% committed? I guess probably the number one fear would be that something could happen to the kids because I could never forgive myself for that. So, you know, if, if one of our kids falls off the boat, there's a very small chance that they would survive, which is completely terrifying. Um, you know, you can do all the man overboard drills and everything, but if you're in the middle of the ocean and there's, um, you know, quite big swell that day, they disappear within seconds. Uh, so the, yeah, the thought of something happened to them is still my biggest fear. And I feel completely selfish in a way, because if that does happen, I'll never be able to forgive myself because this is something that, you know, we've wanted to do, Mm. but you know, the, I guess the the saving grace is that there are lots of other families, like plenty of other families out here doing it, and uh, you know they've all been fine. And obviously, we'll do everything in our power to be completely safe. My my husband actually works in safety, so he's a safety advisor, and um, yeah, we'll have plenty of um, things in place. Like the children are never allowed on deck without a, a life jacket. We'll always be tethered on when we're cruising. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, you know, I don't know the statistics behind this, but I would imagine that there are more kids that would die in road accidents or falling off their bike or falling out of trees and all of those things than, than actually falling overboard. Um, yes, do you know absolutely. what I mean? Like, I think, you know, those, those I, yeah, fears are so everywhere. Because um, that is absolutely the truth. Again, I don't know the statistics off my top of my head, off the top of my head, but I do know that that's the fact. There's less of a chance of us dying out here than there is um, travelling on the roads every day. I mean, to get to work every day, I travelled on the highway. I was doing 100 kilometres an hour there and back every day. So there was more of a chance of me dying at home, going to work every day, than there is out here. Mm-hmm. 
And like when you were preparing, you know, there are so many things that you needed to prepare and organize to, to make this trip a possibility. How did you know where to start? Um, yeah, good question. So I guess first and foremost, it was having the funds to do it because if we didn't have the money, we could be as prepared as possible. We could know all about storm tactics and, uh, you know, first aid and everything else. But if we didn't have the money to do it, then we couldn't do it. So I think first and foremost, we came up with the idea and then we kind of worked backwards from there saying, okay, well, this is what we want to do. This is how much money we need. And then we kind of worked backwards saying, well, if we want that amount of money, we've got to work these extra kind of shifts and have a student live with us and cancel our private health and pull kids out of private school. And Okay, just, yeah. just, just, just stop there for a second because you kind of, you kind of, that just rolled out of your tongue really quick here. And, and I just kind of guess want to highlight that point. Mm. Like when you tackled that affordability question, because I feel that often money is the thing that stops people from wanting to do different things. They, they think that these, they can't afford these things when often I believe it's maybe the way that they look at money or more importantly, the way that they're spending their money. So j j just to kind of make it clear here, it wasn't like you had this abundance of money that you were like, let's just go for it. We won the lotto. It, it, it wasn't yeah. that you, yeah. you, you realized that you needed to still live your, your life in South Australia and you needed to somehow find additional money or additional savings. Definitely. And, and, you, and you listed some there. So you took your kids out of, out of private school and you into the state system. Um, you, you, did you say something about an international student? We did. So we hosted students. Uh, so we've got a three-bedroom house and we moved all of the boys into one bedroom and we had a student in the other bedroom and then we had the other bedroom. And then even at one stage, we moved all of the boys into the lounge room and we had two students. So in South Australia, and I'm assuming it's the same in other states, it's tax-free. Uh, so one student's like $250 a week uh, and two students is $500 a week. And not only obviously does it make us money, but it was an awesome experience. Mm. We met beautiful students who we still have contact with now and the kids got to learn about other cultures. and Yeah, yeah it's, it's it was, so beautiful. I, I was actually um, – my, my dad is still is in Rotary, and so we had exchange students in our house growing up. And it's yeah. so true. You learn so much about, like, different cultures and different countries by having these people live in your home. Really? But, but, like, just, just in that, you know, you have a three-bedroom house with three kids. You bring them all into yeah. one room or you bring them all into the lounge room to kind of yeah. to make more money, to make this – this dream of reality like there was there were things that you had to do to change you had to change your daily life because you wanted your daily life to change yeah we did but you know what it, it really didn't feel like it was that hard mm. sounds crazy but I think when you have a goal a common goal and you both kind of want it I don't know it was strange and I know that it seems hard to believe until you've done it, but it really wasn't that difficult. I didn't miss buying stuff. I didn't miss having the boys having a room each. It just, I mean, we have two living rooms, so we'd put them in one living room. We still had another living room, luckily, but it just wasn't a big deal. I mean, friends would come over and it was kind of embarrassing, I suppose, that our kids all lived in the lounge room, but 
I got over that pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it's strange. At the start, I know people would think, oh, God, I couldn't have anyone else living with us. But it really wasn't that bad. Um, the students were um, very diligent. They'd study all the time. So, you know, they'd come out for meal times. And then they just go in their rooms and study all night. And then I, my husband and I just acted like we would if they weren't there. We mm. thought, well, this could, you know, being on our best behaviour all the time and being uncomfortable in our own home, let's just act normal. And we did. And it was great. You know, we're not ones to fight all the time or anything or do anything that's it particularly embarrassing so we just lived our normal life I mean the kids obviously having three boys they were loud and obnoxious and <laughs> made is and I'm sure the students were thought oh my god what have I got myself into but at the same time I think they appreciated being involved in a real real Australian family mm. and um, they got to see what a real Australian family was like albeit um, noisy and uh, loud and everything else but they all seemed really happy so and yeah, what, I would recommend so, it. And what were some of the things that you thought would be difficult, but like difficult to organize, but turned out to be quite easy? And vice versa, what were some of the things that you thought would be easy to organize, but, but turned out to be painful and difficult? Hmm. I know at the start, my husband and I had made a goal. We thought, we thought we'd give ourselves three years and we wanted to save $100,000. And at the start, I was just thinking, that is impossible. We could never save that. When we first came up with this idea, we were probably eight grand in debt. So we had a credit card, um, you know, pretty normal for people our age. And we had no savings. So we turned that completely around and we saved $85,000, which even now I can't believe. I never we'd be able to save that much. So, so, so hold on, just sorry to cut you off here, Erin. Just, so before this idea, you're eight grand in debt and you've got mm-hmm. no savings. So just mm-hmm. by having this goal and this idea to kind of change your life, not only yeah. are you like in the West Indies right now fixing up a boat mm-hmm. to go sailing, but you got your family out of debt. Yeah, Like Like just, just the whole getting out of debt thing is a huge, like I interview people just about getting out of debt. <laughs> like like that's amazing I guess it is it's funny how it's become normal to us but I guess I need reminding that it is pretty crazy because at the start of this I never thought we could save that much I mean we lived week to week whilst we weren't poor like we both have decent jobs we both work for the government we're not on huge salaries but we're I would say on you know, average or slightly above average salaries. So uh, Dave's been to uni. I haven't, um, but Dave's actually, his uni was paid for by his work. So he's only recently completed his university degree. Um, So when, you know, we're not doctors or lawyers, we've got pretty standard jobs. um, And I never thought we could save that much because, like I said, we were living pretty much week to week. We never... Yeah, like I, I, get, I, get, I guess, I guess on that point, and we're, we're going to go on a on a big tangent here, which is completely not about your adventure. But I find mm-hmm. it, I find it fascinating, and I think it's going to really help people listening. You know, you're talking about working week to week, but you're on, you know, average or above average salaries. 
what what were the things that now that you look back at it that you were wasting your money on or spending money in areas that you you, you after a while you're like you know what that's just we yeah. just don't need that like what were those things like what and the reason i ask this question is maybe people are, are kind of doing the same and they're like you know what there are some basic things that we can do to save money you know what i think one of the biggest things was eating out and i wouldn't even say we ate out very often but you know when you go for a family day out on the weekend and you know, you leave in the morning and then you think, oh, we've got to eat lunch. So you kind of might go to a bakery or a cafe or something and everyone wants a drink. And, I mean, in Australia, Australia is quite expensive. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing up to $40 before you know it. Um, so that was probably a big one. So we'd start doing free things. We'd look at what was happening in Adelaide that weekend and, we'd just do free things or we'd go on a hike or we'd go to the beach and we'd pack our lunch, we'd pack a drink and we literally wouldn't spend any money. But honestly, we didn't miss anything. We were still together. We were still having fun and it almost became like a challenge. What can we do that's free that's not going to cost us anything? So I think eating out or just buying food or snacks or drinks was a big one. Mm. Um, probably clothes it was amazing how much you know money you're spending on clothes when you really didn't need that many clothes I think at one stage I thought god I've just got so much washing I can't even keep up with the amount of clothes that we have the boys really don't need this many pairs of shorts and t-shirts so I think I cut down on that and you know I'd I'd want to spend money at witchery and I'd want nice clothes for work and everything and I, whilst I tried to kind of stick with that, I I limited myself. I thought I'm going to buy fewer pieces of clothing, but I'm going to buy better quality stuff. So, you know, I might have only bought one pair of black pants and that would have done me for all season. I'd wear that to work with, you know, a few different tops. Mm-hmm. And I found that buying better quality things really seem to save money in the long run because if you buy cheap stuff, it only seems to last one or two washes mm. these days. And, and, and do you think that kind of paring down and, and letting go of items has now helped you because your living quarters on the boat are so much smaller? Definitely. I mean, same with house items. Oh, You know, you wanted a new vase or a new rug or a new painting for the wall. I completely cut out all housey items because it's like, well, I can't take those on the boat with us, so... There's absolutely no point buying anything for the house. So many new towels or, you know, you name it. I And if people are kind of mindful about what they're buying and you're into housey decorations because, you know, that kind of seems to be all the rage at the moment, came out so cheap and you want to keep up with all the Instagram photos of houses and stuff, it all adds up. And for the two years leading up to our trip, I didn't buy a vase. I didn't buy a rug. I didn't buy anything for our house. And you know what? I quickly got over that. (laughs) After a couple of months, I'm like, I couldn't care less. It's our house is our house. It's, it's fine. We've got the staple pieces of furniture and we still have a rug on the floor and we still have a TV and everything else. We don't need the latest kind of pieces of art on the wall or the latest vase with flowers on it we're going to go on a boat halfway around the world. We don't need that stuff. And, you know, speaking about going on that boat halfway around the world, have you have you got a plan of where you are going to go or are you just kind of letting the wind take you wherever? 
Yeah, pretty much. It's so hard to say. Um, so uh, obviously in the Caribbean there's hurricane season, so hopefully we get in the water in the next week or so. We'll head north and then we've probably got about two months before we have to turn around and start coming back down because it starts becoming hurricane season. Uh, and then, unfortunately, the hurricane season goes for about six months, so we'll probably hang around Grenada during that time and just sail around the local islands. And then we'll probably go back up north and see the rest of the Caribbean, and then there's a decision we have to make. Do we go back to Australia or do we head to the Mediterranean or do we just stay in the Caribbean? It's, I think it's too early to say mm. and we're experienced to even know. I mean... We literally don't know whether we're going to get seasick and hate it. I mean, we had our own boat in Australia and two of our kids did get seasick, unfortunately. So there's a chance that they could just be sick all the time and we could absolutely hate it. But I don't think that'll be the case. So, you know, there's medication you can take mm-hmm. and generally um, you feel a bit off. Everyone feels a bit off for the first day or two and then you start coming good anyway. Do, so do, I think we Oh, sorry to cut you off there. That's all right. Do, do you have a um like a time frame? Are you, are you like, are we're doing this for a year or we're doing this for two years or is it just like we're going to do this until doing this doesn't feel right? We both got two years leave without pay from our jobs. So uh, like we said, we both work for the government and um, I had to put in uh, like a submission saying why I wanted two years leave without pay. In my role, it wouldn't have been unheard of to get 12 months leave without pay, but two years was quite unheard of. So I wasn't actually expecting to get that much. So when they came back and said, yes, you can have two years, it was really amazing. It felt like, wow, this is meant to be. And then like two weeks later, my husband got told that he also got two years leave without pay again, which is very unheard of for his role as well. So the amazing thing is if anything goes wrong in this within this next two years, we can both go back, literally land in Australia and go back to work, you know, the next day if we need money. So that's a huge safety net for us. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess two but, years. But, but again, it, like it just highlights sometimes you just got to ask for these things. You do. You know, absolutely. Yeah thought we'd get that and none of my colleagues ever thought we'd get that I mean everyone was like oh you're never going to get that you'll be lucky to get 12 months and I agreed I thought that's true you know I'm not going to get that and then we got it so it just proves you just never know um if you're a good worker and there's no real reason for you not to get it then why not try why not ask and we've spoken about your boys a few times here and and what was their reaction when you told them what was happening? Oh, to be honest, they were quite young, I suppose. So Christian would have been like one, Jack would have been five, and Hamish would have been six. So I don't actually remember them saying, you know, anything negative. I think they were probably just like, oh, okay, wow, cool, that sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> they kind of took it on their chin and it, it just became normal really because we talk about it so often. Mm-hmm. It was almost... Like, oh, mum, when we go on the boat, will we do this or will we do that? Oh, it's so, be- kind of it's so beautiful that they were able to kind of come on that on that journey of preparation yeah. and, and everything. Yeah, it, it really did just become normal. I um, mean, Christian, he's three now, so obviously since he was one to three, it was just like the when boat. we go on the boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I guess to like some kids, 
they get homeschooled, but your kids are going to get boat schooled. Like, <laughs> are, are, are you doing that through distance education back home in Australia or? No, I didn't want the, the ties to land. I didn't want to have to post things back or be tied to timeframes or, uh, you know, rely on the internet. I wanted to just pick my own bits and pieces and kind of do an eclectic kind of curriculum which, you know what, I don't know if that's going to work. It's early days and so far homeschooling hasn't been easy. Um, But I also figured that whatever I chose at the beginning probably wasn't going to be what we ended up doing in the end because so many people say that they completely change what they do while they're out here. So, you know, whilst I put a a lot of thought and effort into it, I tried not to get too hung up on it because I I knew that it would probably completely change. Mm. So, yeah, we're, we're using Singapore Maths for Maths and then there's a program called Mystery Science, which is actually an online program. So it's actually not going to work for the times when we don't have internet, but so far that's going well. And Audi was having a sale on a stack of um, homeschool kind of books. So I bought uh, NAPLAN reading and writing and grammar and things on weather and whole stack of books from Audi which sounds really dodgy but they've been really good and I'm trying to do things like get them to keep a journal or choose things that interest them so the other day they did assignments Jack chose the Amazon River and Hamish chose black holes in space and they researched them in books and did an assignment on that so I'm hoping that we can kind of you know, cover everything by going along that way and then getting uh, them to read in between. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, the, the reading's always been the big thing and I just, just that life experience and learning about navigation and stars and and cultures and 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 all of that stuff is just going to be like absolutely beautiful for their development. If, if you know, you, you're kind of starting this adventure you know you're talking about hopefully you're going to take Rome which is the name of your boat um into the water and hopefully in a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. is there any advice that you would give yourself if you could go back in time like when you were starting out I guess my advice would be to dream big because I thought that our idea was crazy and I didn't think that it was ever even possible and we've pulled it off. So why limit yourself? Why just say, oh, you know, we want to go on a two-week holiday? If you really want to do something more than that, say that you want to do it and decide you want to do it and then kind of work backwards from there. Figure it out once you've made the decision because it's amazing how many things just seem to fall into place for us. And, you know, people say you're so lucky. And I I was working with a colleague and she would just shake her head and go, oh, my God, you are so lucky. Everything's just falling into place for you. And, I, you know, it was. I was lucky. All these things just kept working out for us. And Yeah, but but on on that, though, Erin, like you're lucky that those things are kind of happening for you, but you're making them happen. Like you're you're taking those opportunities and and kind of running with it. She knew that. She was yeah. saying, you know, you absolutely deserve this. You've mm. worked hard for this. And it's not just luck. It's your hard work and dedication. But the universe, it manifests what you dream about because I know that sounds so lame, but it honestly, 
it's just like the universe has conspired to make things happen for us because I never thought of myself as someone particularly lucky before this trip and who knows we could get out there and things could go disastrously wrong and I really hope not but the amount of things that have kind of fallen into place in the lead up to this it's just it can't be a coincidence it's just Mm -hmm. like yeah when you really want something can you work hard towards it it seems to just work out so decide what you want to do first and then have faith that it will work out if you try hard enough amen 100 percent agree with that one erin 100 percent um but i do have one final question before we go here because i know that your your family of men are going to probably be be coming back aboard any time now but and and it's a question that i ask everyone on the podcast and that's if you could please describe your perfect day well, you know what, I almost had it the other day. It was my birthday, so my husband took the day off working on the boat and um, we went with our new paddle board. So we, had a, we have a stand-up paddle board from Red Paddle Co and we went to a beautiful bay here in Grenada and because it was my birthday, I got the first go and I got as long as I wanted on it <laughs> and I went paddle boarding around and it was just so beautiful. Uh, the water was clear and I could see all the to the bottom and you could see all the fish and coral and then uh, all the kids had a go and then we went ashore and I had a pina colada and <laughs> pina colada to me is just the taste of happiness I absolutely <laughs> love it and I sat uh, on a beach chair and I looked at this perfect bay and there was hardly any other tourists around and that's the amazing thing about Grenada it's very um non-touristic so there's not that many people here which is beautiful it kind of feels like we've we've come before the tourists have have discovered it um so yeah it was very close to a perfect day at the night the kids got a little bit feral but besides that it was a beautiful day family time exercise and alcohol tick Uh, well, thank you so much for your time, Erin, here today. Like, and honestly, I absolutely love what you're doing with your family and your boys and just the courage that you've, that you've taken to actually just do something different. And I know from experience, this is going to have like just an overwhelming, you know, change to your life and the way that your family interacts with each other and the memories that you're going to kind of create and share with each other. So you know, thanks for sharing your story, but also like, thanks for encouraging other people to do the same. And, um, but if people do want to reach out to you and, and, and learn a little bit more about you and follow your adventure, um, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, sure. So we've got a website, www.sailingtorome.com uh, and Facebook page, Sailing to Rome, and then Instagram, sailing underscore to underscore Rome. So, any of those um, methods will get in contact with me and I love to hear from people and I'm <clears throat> happy to give people tips or advice um, and, you know, I'd love to inspire other families to get out there and do their own adventure. And, you know, I've had plenty of people say to me, oh, God, I could never do or live on a boat, but, you know, I could caravan around Australia or, mm-hmm. um, you know, around America or something and that's fine you know you don't have to have the same dream but I think it's probably the same kind of principles to get out there and do whatever your dream may be so definitely keen to help other people do that 
Oh, happy days. Well, I will definitely make sure that I link to all of that in the show notes at liveimmediately.com. Now, is there, is there anything that I've forgotten here that you, that you want to say before we, we say our goodbyes here? I don't think so. I think we've covered everything. Um, yeah, I think just, you know, the big takeaway is that I'm I'm a normal person. My husband and I are normal people, yet we had half-decent jobs, but we weren't anything special. So, you know, I feel like if we could achieve it, then I'm pretty sure that lots of other people can too. you just got to not give up. And I think along the way we, we had inspiration. You know, we'd find YouTube channels and on the nights when it felt too hard, we'd watch a, a, a video or we'd um, speak to our coaches or, you know, we'd do things. And, of course, there were times when we wanted to give up, but we just kind of both persevered. And I think both having us on the same page, on the days I wanted to give up, Dave didn't. <laughs> on the days Dave wanted to give up, I didn't. And we just kind of ploughed along and, yeah, before we knew it, we were we were here. So... I really hope that other people can dare to kind of dream big, 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 big a bit bigger than <clears throat> what they thought was possible and they might surprise themselves. They might be able to pull it off. Happy days. Well, thank you so much for that, Erin. And, and thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time, have fun and live immediately. That was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.